This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Uh, last time I spoke, I spoke about the perks of being a Christian. And this afternoon, I would like to talk about another perk or or another perk that is important to all of us. But first, I want to discuss what we talked about last time, very brief. In my last lesson, we talked about the church and how the church was a huge perk to being a Christian. While we're here on earth on our Christian walk, we go through many obstacles and trials and tribulations, and the church is there to help us. This could be a spiritual issue that we're going through, maybe a sin problem where people help us through those issues. Maybe uh, we talked about financially, Sometimes there's things that happen on this earth that puts us in a really bad bind, and the church is there to help us. <clears throat> we also talked about through prayer, the church pleads to God to, that hopefully that we be healed or uh, fix whatever we may be going through. You know, the church is a huge perk to us while we are here on earth, and it's not just the Wheeler Church of Christ, but it's the church here in North America and all throughout uh, of the world. I think last time I said the church in Brazil, there's not a church in Brazil yet, but I think we should work on that one of these days. So today for the next perk, I want to talk or I want to start it off with a, a story. And the way that I heard the story, me and dad were talking about um, going to work for different companies and how companies will let you go to church if you need to. And, and he, he told me this story and I thought it worked really great for the, for the lesson this afternoon. And the story is a machinist that worked for the Ford Motor Company in Detroit who over a period of years borrowed various parts and tools from the company which he had not bothered to return. While this practice was not condoned as more or less accepted by management, nothing was done about it. The machinist, however, experienced a Christian conversion. He was baptized and became a, de a devout believer. More important, he took his baptism very seriously. The next morning, he arrived at work loaded down with the tools and all the parts he had borrowed from the company during the years, and he explained to his foreman what he had been doing and that he really didn't mean to steal them, and he hoped he'd be forgiven. The foreman was so astonished and impressed that uh, this man actually came forward and um, <clears throat> that this man came forward and said what he had done. He called Mr. Ford himself and, and, uh, and explained the entire event in detail. Immediately, Mr. Ford said, we should dam up the Detroit River and baptize the entire city. And we can only hope that every Christian takes his or her baptism that seriously. So we see a guy here that was working for Mr. Henry Ford, and he was borrowing tools, which sounds like a good way if you get caught to say, I was going to bring them back, I just haven't done it yet. But he decided that he wanted to be a Christian, and when he was baptized, he did what all Christians are supposed to do, repent of the things that they have been doing and change their life. And when he did this, Henry Ford thought it was so amazing. He thought everyone should be baptized, probably because it was going to save him a lot of money. But he knew that what this guy had decided to do, that he was about to start walking with a lot more integrity and be a lot more of an honest worker. So this afternoon, I want to talk about if you decide to be a Christian, you're going to have a higher quality of life. The Bible gives us many commandments on how we can live in a higher moral way. And I truly believe that if you try your hardest to have the most up upright character and high set of morals, then your life's going to be a lot more fulfilled. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to be rich and not have any trials or tribulations or anything like that, but I believe at the end of the day, you can look back and say that you did what God wanted you to do, and you lived with high character, 
<clears throat> so I want to look at three different phases of our lives. I'm going to look at our work life, our family life, and our social life. So first, let's look at how we can have a better life in our occupations. And in my example from earlier, we see a man who was stealing, and he decided to change his way, and his employer was very happy that he decided that he was going to start being honest. So I'll have the verses up here, but if you want to pull out your Bible, you can do that as well, or your phone. We're going to start with Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. And this is a New King James Version. It says, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. So what does this mean to us? It means if we live an honest way or we walk in integrity, integrity, then we do not have to worry about being caught doing something that we're not supposed to be doing. This man, he probably was worried that one of these days he's going to get caught. Then after he finally fessed up, he was probably like, man, a weight's been lifted off my shoulders, and I don't have to worry about getting caught anymore. <clears throat> now, we might not be stealing from our employers by taking items as tools and things like that, and we may not be stealing money, but have you ever clocked in a little bit early and then showed up late or clocked out late but left early? Or I saw this one on the Internet, sleep on the job. And I think we've all probably seen someone sleep on the job who... Stayed out too late the night before or something like that. Or how about not working but playing on their phone? You know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff can be pretty addictive. addictive. Are we doing that while we're on the clock instead of working? If you walk with integrity, first of all, you're going to be walking with integrity. You're going to be doing what God wants us to do, but you also don't have to worry about being caught doing something that you're not. Also, one thing I see a lot in the workplace, it seems like, is if you're going to say you're going to do something, then do it. Many times people say, hey, I'll cover for you next time, or I'll do this for you next time, or you leave early and then stay late, then I'll do it the next time. But most of the time they don't ever do that. They don't walk with integrity. And I think most of that comes down to being, I guess, lazy is probably the nicest way to put it. They just want the easy way out. So the Bible talks about work ethic as well, and I think that's a huge, huge thing that we need to do while we're uh, in the workplace. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. The Bible tells us whatever we do, we need to do it with all our heart. We need to do it with all our might and do it as good as we possibly can. <clears throat> when we go to work for an employer, we need to figure out how we can work as hard as we can and not how we can work less and still get paid the most you know one thing you hear a lot about other employees in a company is this company makes so much money and i deserve more the owner look at him he's driving the nice trucks he's going on nice vacations but it's not fair i don't get none of that i'm working harder than everyone else and i don't get anything and life's just not fair you know sometimes you might be the hardest worker at a job you might be doing everything right walking the highest integrity and when that promotion comes around you might not get it you might not get that raise but that's just because life really is not fair. I saw a deal where it said life is not fair, but life is not fair for anyone, so life is fair. So you think about that, life's not fair for no one. You might be griping about something, and then the next guy be griping about something. Life's not fair, but that don't matter. We do it because the Lord tells us to work hard, and he's going to be the one at the end going to give us our inheritance. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, It kind of says the same thing. It says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. 
Whatever we decide to do for work, we need to do it with all our ability. ability. <clears throat> right now, the big thing you see in the world is called quiet quitting. And I don't know if y'all have seen that go around social media or not. Sorry. <clears throat> I got the coughs too. But quiet quitting is where you do as little as possible as you possibly can. You don't show up early. Don't work late. You do the bare minimum just so you don't get fired. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord does not tell us to do that. He tells us that we need to work with all our might and do whatever we can to work the hardest. You know, another problem we deal with, or not a problem, I guess, all the time, but we're going to have coworkers, and we need to know how to handle coworkers, and that's going to really help with our quality of life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We all know what happens in the workplace. There's gossip, backbiting, fighting. Hey, you want to be friends with me? Then we got to talk bad about this person. I want that guy's job, so we're going to try to make everything hard on him so maybe he gets fired. There's a lot of drama and chaos in the workplace, and you've got to make sure that you don't get caught up in that. Even if you're not a Christian, do not get caught up in the drama and chaos. It's not worth it. Don't let that evil communication come out of your mouth talking bad about others and get involved with that stuff. You know, one thing I've learned is uh, if you're working really hard and you're real busy, you don't usually get caught up in all the drama and the chaos. So always work hard and stay busy. I know my last job, it seemed like every time we slowed down, there was fighting all the time. And then when we got busy, there was no fights anymore. And you wonder why that is. And when we're at work, we also need to make sure that we're being a Christian at work and we're not just following the crowd. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Do not deceive, evil company corrupts good habits. Most of, most of us spend more time at work than we do with our fa- own families. When we're spending eight hours a day, ten hours a day at work, we don't get to spend that with our own family. So we've got to be careful about the people that we're hanging around with and how much we're letting them into our lives. John Dillinger was an American gangster. He was a bank robber and head of a gang. He killed people. And I was reading a biography about him, and his dad said that he was a good kid, but he just fell in with the wrong crowd. He was 16, and he left home, and then he just kind of went crazy. You know, if it can happen to John Dillinger, it could happen to us. not saying we're going to go rob people or kill people, but we have to be careful about the the company that we let into our lives. We've got to be careful what we do outside of a work if we want to go hang out with people that we work with and make sure that they're they're wanting to do the same thing that we have to do or what what we want to do just like our ideals will uh, meet or meet up you know this goes for uh, the kids that are in school too we're talking about work but you know the kids they're going to school right now and um you know you got to be careful about the friends that you hang out with you know, you need to make sure that they have the same ideas of you and they have the same passions that you do about going to church and wanting to live a godly life. There's a lot of peer pressure in schools to be one of the cool kids, go out and party on the weekends and things like that. But you're going to have to hold strong to your morals and put yourself around good people. You know, peer pressure isn't only for schools, it's in the workplace too. I was talking about earlier, clocking in, clocking late, leaving early. Other people at work will want you to do that just so they're not the only ones that's going to get caught if they get in trouble so we all need to be careful of the peer pressure that might happen i had a guy at work one time asked me he's like man you church of christ y'all go to church sunday morning sunday afternoon wednesday night i think there's a gospel meeting he's like y'all going to church every night 
He's like, y'all must be really bad. And I laughed. I go, man, we just need Jesus really, really bad. And it's true. We need to be around Jesus. And most of all, we need to be around good people. We're around people of the world all the time at our jobs. And, and we need as much time with good Christian people as much as we possibly can. If evil company corrupts good habits, then righteous company will encourage better habits. So I think it's always a good, good point to make that we need to make sure we're hanging out with each other as much as possible. When I think of if we follow what God has asked us to do as a worker, who do you think is going to get that promotion? Who do you think is going to get ahead sooner or later in life? Do you think it's the guy who steals from the company, the guy who don't work hard, or the guy that's always uh, causing problems, or the guy who walks with integrity, works as hard as he can every day, shows up early, leaves late, and never starts any issues? You know, sometimes this world is not fair, and sometimes there's a lot of politics in the workplace. But if you do what God has asked you to do, you're going to end up being off better than the guy who's, uh, who's stealing and doing things like that. And most importantly, we're doing what God has asked us to do, and that's going to make our quality of life way better. <clears throat> Next, I want to talk about the family. I know we've been talking about the godly family for a couple Sundays now. Matt did a great job this morning talking about how to raise godly children, but... I can't really do this lesson if I don't talk about the family because that's where we spend most of our life, either work or with family or socially. So we're going to read this verse. We've read it quite a bit, Ephesians 5, chapter 28 through 29. It says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, as the, Lord the church. There used to be a football player named Chad Ochocinco, and one of his, and Ochocinco, that was his football number, so if he ever got traded and changed football numbers, he'd have to change his last name. So we don't put a whole lot of faith into what this guy said, but he used to say, I love me some me, and he really loved himself. He loved everything about him. And I started thinking about that when we have to love our, our wives as our own bodies. When I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm thirsty, I get something to drink. When I want to sleep, I try to get as much sleep as I possibly can. So we need to love and care for our wives just as much as we care for our own bodies. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Wives, respect your husbands and allow them to lead the home. You know, when I was putting this together, I was thinking what wives and husbands are supposed to be. I started thinking about me and Alexis. We're kind of a team. We talk about financial issues with each other. We talk about raising tech seed. We try to, we try to talk about everything, even though I'm the head and I'll make the final decision. We try to share everything with, with each other. The main thing we both want out of anything is to raise a godly family. We want Texie to grow up in the church, stay in the church. One day when she gets married, we want her to... Her and her husband to stay in the church, her kids to stay in the church, and so forth and so on. And I really started thinking the older Texie gets, the more that she's going to see what a mom and dad are supposed to be by watching me and Alexis. So she needs to see me treat her mom, as, or treat Alexis, like I love her, like the Christ has loved the church. And she needs to see Alexis treat me with respect and allow me to lead the home. Parents, to have a good quality of life, we've got to make sure that we are doing what God has asked us to do. And Matt touched on this this morning, because it don't only affect us, it affects our children as well. One day, 
Texie's going to grow up, and she's either going to go, I want to be like mom and dad, or, man, I do not want to be anything like mom and dad. So we need to make sure that we're doing the right things at home. <clears throat> you know, I remember this one time, a co- co-worker, he'd bad, bad mouth his wife all the time, and in return, she'd belittle him. And they were fighting constantly, it seemed like. And it just seemed miserable. It didn't seem like a good way of life. And I started to think if I saw it, then the kids had to see it too. And I don't want a life like that, and I don't want Texie to see something like that. So that kind of woke me up saying, I need to make sure that whatever we do, it, if we are to fight, it's going to be behind closed doors. It's not always easy to do. Matt kind of talked about this. We all have outside stressors that come in. You know, you might be having trouble financially or cars breaking down. There ain't no telling. There's always so much stuff that it seems to happen and stuff starts to catch you up. But and I've only got two years of marriage, so y'all can tell me if I'm wrong. But I really believe communication is key in, our, in a marriage. And if I treat Alexis like I love her, like I love my own body, and she respects me, whenever something's going on and there's outside stressors, and we can communicate to each other and fix those, it, it might save a, a big old fight if we can actually talk things out and talk to each other and respect each other enough to listen to the other's opinion. The main thing about marriage is, we talked about this earlier in the lesson, is work ethic. Everything takes a lot of work. It's not just about your careers. We've got to work hard in our marriage. We've got to work hard at being good Christians. It just takes a lot of work. And we always need to remember that we need to work really hard and humble ourselves in bad situations. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Children, do you want a high quality of life, not only today, but in the future? Then you need to listen to your parents and... and uh, and obey them. You know, when I went off to college, there was a bunch of vendors out there trying to get us to sign up for credit cards. You know, that should kind of be illegal, but my dad beat it into my head, do not get a credit card, do not get a credit card, which later in life I did get a credit card, and I learned what he meant because I'm kind of the hard-headed one. But he told me that because he didn't want to be mean to me, but he wanted to make sure that I understood that there was a time of his life where he got a credit card. He didn't know how to use it, and he was in debt for a long time. So he did not want me to go through the same thing that he went through. <clears throat> you know, your parents want the best for you. They want you to have a great life here on earth, and they want you to make it to heaven more than anything. I saw this thing. The only people in the world that, that, uh, that want you to do better than them is your parents. You know, if I would have listened to my dad about certain things he told me in life, my life would have been a lot easier but I decided that I thought I was smarter, and I went down a rough road there for a while. So make sure that you listen to your parents. They're, they got your best interests in heart. If dad, mom, and children do what God has asked them to do, then there won't be violence in the home. There won't be adultery. There won't be divorce. And there won't be any generational curses that are going to have to be broke. If we want a better quality of life, then we're going to have to do what God has asked us to do. And if we want a great foundation for our kids, then the kids are going to have to see how the parents act in the home is what God would have them to be. Finally, I want to talk about our lives socially. Most everyone knows here knows my story, and I used to have a drinking problem. And the reason I bring this up is I remember a guy telling me, "Um, how are you going to let off steam? What are you going to do on the weekends? You know, I remember thinking, I was like, there's got to be more than just doing that on the weekends or going out and partying. And... 
the thing that I read on the internet was uh, from News Gallup says 62% of Americans drink alcohol. That's a major majority of Americans drink. So it was no like no surprise that people would be like, well, what are you going to do now? It's socially acceptable to drink alcohol, and I'm not saying drinking a beer, having a glass of wine is a sin, but the Bible says that drunkenness is a sin. So I will say this to the kids here in high school or going off to college, if you ever get peer pressure to go out and have a drink, you may nothing may ever happen about it. It may not be, be that big of a deal. But you never know. You might be that one person where you actually really, really like it, and it's going to send you down a rough road. So I would just say the advice right now, just don't even try it, and you'll be way better off. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13, it says, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. You know, this verse is talking about the old law. When, they, when the old law went away and the new law came in, there were still Jews that did not want to eat meat. They still had those old traditions. And Paul's saying here that, you know what, if there's a man like that, then I'm not going to eat meat around him. I'm just not going to, do, I'm not going to cause that man to stumble or to mess him up. When we're out socially, we need to be careful what we, are, uh, what we are doing. It may not be anything. It may not be anything bad. But if see, people see you around a certain crowd having drinks and stuff like that, you don't know what people might say about you or what the rumors might go around town. So I would just say if you're looking for a better quality of life, it might just be better just to leave that alone. So as Christians, what do we do socially? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Wherefore... Comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. You know, you want to hang around people that build you up. You want to have people that, or be around people that have the same goals in life that you have. You know, the saying is, if you want to be a millionaire, who do you hang around? You hang around a millionaire. It's the same thing. If you want to be a good Christian, you hang around good uh, Christians. I got this from Zane, and I'm going to share it this evening. I thought it was pretty good. It's a study on rats, and it goes... There is a study on rats, and they put a rat in a cage with two water bottles. One bottle has just water, and the other water bottle laced with heroin or cocaine. If you do that, the rat will almost always prefer the drug water than just the water, usually killing itself from overdose quite quickly. In 1970, a professor said if we put a rat in a cage and there is nothing else to do <clears throat> but these drugs, then of course it is going to do the drugs. So he built a cage called Rat Park, which he also called it Rat Heaven, which has loads of cheese, loads of tunnels, loads of colored balls, and friends. And then they had the regular water and the drug water too. From this, they almost never used the drug water. You go from 100% overdose to 0% overdose. And at the end of it, it said when they have a happy and connected lives, they don't prefer the drugs. That's kind of like us as Christians. If we just go out and hang out with the world, we're going to do what the world does. Or if we're just out there by ourselves trying to fight off some of these temptations, we're, we're going to lose. So we need to be around connected people, happy and connected people. Be around other Christians who are going to help us out throughout this, uh, this Christian walk. If you want to have a high quality of life, hang around people that, that want that too. <clears throat> now, why is all this important? Why is this a, a good perk of being a Christian? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What do most Americans want? Most Americans want to be happy. That's the main thing. Just like in my previous lesson, lesson about how the church members are a huge perk, 
Having a high-quality life is even a bigger perk, and we want others to receive the same thing. When we are at our jobs and we work hard and don't get involved with all the gossiping and extracurricular things, we go to work and we stay true to what we believe, people see that. When people are starting to have hard times in their, their lives, they see what we're doing. They see we're working hard and, and we're having a good life, and they might just ask, what are you doing differently? Or you must really believe in something strongly. What is it that you believe in? And it gives us that opportunity to talk to other people. Or when our home life is held together and we raise good kids and people see our marriage is strong, when people start having a hard time, they see the same thing. And they, they want to know what you might be doing differently that maybe they, they can change their life and do that as well. And this is the same thing for socially. When we're just hanging out, going hunting, fishing, just having a good time, and we don't have to go out and party, people might start to rethink that on Monday mornings when they come in. They have that Monday morning sickness that you sometimes see. God knows why, what he wants, and that's why he commands us to have high morals, high work ethic, treat our spouses with respect, raise godly children. He knows what he's talking about, and that's why he's telling us to do it. He knows it's better than us. <clears throat> it also shows others there is a better way to live, and maybe we can show them what Jesus has done for us. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.